Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. Soil, not oil, holds the future for humanity. And plastic is oil. Most of the chemicals are petrochemicals. Not all, but many of them. Soil is our future. You know, they've been taking sludge from water treatment facilities and using it as fertilizer. It's contaminating the soil. There are so many issues, but treating our natural environment, soil, water, and air, like our life depends on it. That's what we need to be doing. You're listening to The Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now, the farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. I was just realizing that next week already is the winter solstice. Wow. It's already upon us. So I'm looking forward to having a bonfire and having some friends around and neighbors. And yeah, that's that's what you talked about in your December episode. I remember slow living the seasons. Right. Yeah. So if the weather's like really, really cold or rainy or snowing or whatever, of course, we will move inside. But there still will be a warm fire and fellowship and food and merriment. So I'm looking forward to it. I love the winter solstice. Yeah, it's so fun. I wonder how many people listening have their own winter solstice rituals or traditions, if any. And if you don't, if you're inspired at all to start one, let us know. We want to hear about it. Yes, it can be super simple, as everything can be. You just light a candle. You can just sit in the dark and think about it about how this is the moment when the days start getting longer. It's amazing. It is really amazing. Yeah. So also, I wanted to follow up on a conversation that we had during our bonus episode on the Good Dirt Holiday, because I did some research and I learned something. After we were talking about wax paper versus parchment paper, I knew, I sort of knew in the back of my mind that wax paper wasn't the greatest. So I was looking up to find out more about that and what the real difference between wax paper and parchment paper was. So wax paper, many of the brands, I would say most of the brands, there might be some exceptions, are covered with a paraffin wax that is a petroleum-based product. So it's not something that can be composted or recycled, unfortunately. But as I was saying in the episode there, I think it's a better alternative to using plastic wrap for maybe food storage or wrapping things in the freezer and that sort of thing. But then for a long time, I've preferred parchment paper for all these uses. And also you can bake with parchment paper. We, we talked about that as well. But as it turns out, I didn't know this. This is what I learned. 
parchment paper is coated with some form of silicone. Mm. So it's not just paper. So I was trying to figure out, well, can that be recycled? Is it compostable? Can it be used as fire starter? Because silicone is basically, I think, kind of a form of plastic. I don't know. I've seen conflicting information on that. Yes, you can compost it. Or no, you can't compost it because of the silicone. So I don't know. I need to look into that more. But I wanted to just follow up with our listeners that, you know, I had learned something more about that. Always learning something on here, aren't we? (laughs) Yes. That's really helpful information. Thank you for doing that research. You have a tendency to go on these deep dives and dig up a lot of really, really interesting stuff. I will assure our listeners that usually our conversations are more exciting than parchment paper. But but yeah, no, that's a helpful tidbit. Silicone. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, we like to take a deep dive on this program. Because we want to get beyond the surface of just, you know, the conventional understanding about things, you know, recycling, composting. You know, we've had some great interviews where people sort of remove the veil of what everybody thinks. For instance, you know, the conversation with Eve Schaub about, guess what, everybody, anything beyond number one and two plastics is really not recyclable. And it's very questionable what happens to those things. And it probably ends up in foreign countries cluttering their landfills and beaches and so forth. And so it really makes you think, it has made me think over these conversations and over the years of doing this, made me think so much about what I use and what I'm going to do with it and what is the ultimate destination of really all the products we use. That's why we love doing this show and that's why we want to continue doing it. Yes. So you love the show. (laughs) (laughs) A great way to help make sure that we can keep it going is to contribute for a monthly pledge. So that means a monthly recurring pledge to the production of the show. And you can sign up now. We're currently running a drive, meaning if you sign up to pledge between now and January 7th, you will qualify for some physical rewards that we'll send you that are exclusive for Good Dirt Pledge Drive contributors. We thank you so much. And we really appreciate you being here. Yes. I want to emphasize that. Thank you. I want to encourage everybody to go check it out. Check out our pledge drive, the rewards, all the fun things that go along with being a supporter of the good dirt and a member of our community. So we hope to see you in there. We've got lots of fun stuff coming up. But before we get to today's guest, I have another follow-up to the bonus episode. On that episode, we talked all about good dirt gifts. We were talking about how to have a good dirt holiday and we talked about alternative gifts, but we never really got around to talking about the wrapping paper. And then I thought, well, That's okay, because if you're listening to this, you probably don't need a whole bunch of ideas about alternative wrapping paper. You know, there's so many articles out there and DIY videos and so forth about that already. But it did remind me of those big wrapping paper fundraisers that the school used to have when y'all were of school age. Remember that? Those were like this really big deal. And all those catalogs and all that stuff. And in retrospect, I'm thinking of all the waste that was generated by encouraging everyone to buy all of that stuff. And I was wondering, is that still a thing? I don't know. That's a great question. You know, I actually talked about deep dive. I Googled Sally Foster because <laughs> that's one that our school always used. And they are no more. 
they're gone. I think there are others. But I wondered in terms of school fundraising, I know a lot of schools like to do this, you know, what the alternatives were. And if you're listening to this and you know that this big paper wrapping drive is still a thing, and if you might be kind of bothered by the fact that it's encouraging a lot of waste, I thought it might be an opportunity for you as a good dirt enthusiast to try to encourage your school to do something a little more good dirt friendly. Anyway, I have a feeling something like that would be really well taken these days. Maybe it wouldn't have been in the 90s, but people I think are surprisingly more willing to do the more sustainable thing. A lot of times people just don't know. They haven't thought about it. All right. And that topic really leads very well into our episode for today and today's guest who is Jeanette Spezio of Sustainable House Mercantile. Yes. And also our earlier conversation about the wax paper versus parchment paper, speaking of, because Jeanette is someone who would definitely have an alternative to both of those in the kitchen if you're looking for a food wrap or something. Yeah. So Jeanette grew up as a first generation American caring about the environment and the land. Her dad had a large organic garden and her mother is a professional seamstress, and worked for years in a health food store. So after raising her two daughters in a career in the corporate world, Jeanette realized she wanted better choices for her family and pursued a goal of zero waste and a more non-toxic lifestyle. She started sharing her sustainable house home solutions at local farmers markets in 2018, and she opened Sustainable House Mercantile in 2019. Today, we're talking about zero waste, what that really means, and how Sustainable House is different from other zero waste shops. Jeanette's vision is to educate and offer better choices for ourselves and the planet. She really knows her stuff. We learned a lot and you will too. So here's Jeanette Spezio of Sustainable House Mercantile. I'm Jeanette Spezio. I am owner of Sustainable House Mercantile. We are a zero waste refill shop in Summit, New Jersey, but it's really a lifestyle brand and account. So it's not about making the most money. It's about having the biggest impact. And so that really guides us. Our tagline is healthy people, healthy home, healthy planet. It doesn't really matter what order those are in because sometimes I think it can be different for different priorities. I'm a first-generation American. I grew up without much money and a big garden and a mom who worked part-time in a health food store and who was a seamstress by trade. And I just learned very much of a homesteading lifestyle while living in a very, you know, modernized America. I spent 30 years in corporate and one day just decided I needed a change. I knew I needed a change. And I was downsized, which is the best thing that can happen to anyone when you know you want to leave. And this is chapter two. This is my give back chapter. I spent some time on nonprofits and doing interesting work in that space and knew that I wanted to give back, but not through a nonprofit. I really wanted to do something that mattered. I grew up very much like a naturist. We camped, we gardened, we canned, we cooked, we sewed. We did all those things and we valued natural materials. And so Sustainable House was sort of born out of my wanting to do better than I was already doing. 
That's wonderful. I'm curious about hearing more about your realization, whether it was suddenly or over time that you needed a change and what were you experiencing or feeling or observing that was really guiding you towards that point? I think the good news was there wasn't a health moment specifically. It was more that I ate always organic. I had an organic garden. So in the summer, I would grow my own lettuce and tomatoes and cucumbers and all that stuff. And I'd make a beautiful set of salads for the week. And I'd put them in reused containers from Chinese food, those black number five Tupperwares or reusable plastic containers. And I had this beautiful organic salad in there. And I was so proud of myself. And I wanted to understand what was in my laundry detergent. And so I started to research all the plant-derived ingredients And it was really hard. In fact, it was so hard, despite being an educated, smart woman, I gave up. I thought it's going to be easier to make my own. That was about 10 years ago. It was before I knew about things like Think Dirty and the Environmental Working Group, EWG.org. And so I was researching them and it was just impossible. So I learned how to make soap and laundry detergent and found that it worked great and solved that problem. And the more I started to learn, I knew that other people would want what I was doing. I figured if I cared, somebody else is going to care. So I learned about the zero waste movement and it really resonated with me. It it tied a lot to my upbringing, but it was also still a huge learning experience for me. So, So the aha moment was really looking at my laundry detergent and realizing despite its greenness that I had no idea whether it was any good or safe. I really come to focus on safety and trust a lot and am extremely skeptical. My career in corporate started as an internal auditor and you learn to trust but verify. So I do a lot of verifying and have very little trust as a result of that. So that was the aha moment. And the more that I research, I research every single day. And the more that I research, the more I learn and the scarier it is. So circling back around to those plastic containers that were you were putting your beautiful salads in, did you have some sort of revelation about that? Oh, yeah. You know, black number five plastic is one of the worst. And the idea that I was putting this beautiful salad in this horrible container and just had no idea. I mean, I knew not to microwave plastics, but I didn't think too much about it. And if occasionally you do it, you don't worry so much. And then once you start to learn. So I read a book, Beth Terry's My Plastic Free Life. Not only was it about the zero waste journey, but it was about all the toxins in plastic and in our everyday products. And that really just was my platform to dive off and just learn. You know, it's been everything from, I don't want plastic around my food. I am not such a purist that I can't recognize that people in society are in very different places. And there is no perfection in the world we live in. So I'm very realistic about that. But I keep getting deeper and deeper into the things that that matter for healthy lifestyles. And, you know, it's about making changes for the better on a regular basis. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people, they're paying attention to the plastic use now and the single-use plastics and all of that because we hear that the oceans are filling up, the landfills are filling up, but I think fewer people are aware of the actual leaching and emissions from these materials into our food. I think there's some awareness of it when all the kerfuffle about BPAs came up and the BPAs and baby bottles and so forth. And then, of course, the market responded to that and started taking BPAs out of thing. And now it's a big marketing thing. This has no BPA. 
But I think what people don't understand and what I'd like for them to understand, and there's a whole lot more substances besides BPAs that we need to be aware of, but it gets kind of overwhelming and it gets where like you feel like you have nowhere to go. Yes. And when BPA is not present and it's got that beautiful label that says BPA free, you really need to worry that there's BPS, BPF, one of the other bisphenols in there that are generally considered worse than the BPA itself. So it's it's a scary place. So yeah, I think a lot of people see plastic in the ocean and they see plastic polluting our planet and our landfills. And really two things happen. Small animals die because they ingest plastics that they think are food, fills up their stomach. They can't get food and nutrition in there and they die of starvation. For humans, what really happens is we ingest lots of microplastic. And I say ingest because we breathe it in the air, we drink it and we eat it. It's everywhere. It comes from almost everywhere and it's in almost everything. And when it comes into our bodies, it becomes a magnet for the toxin. The microplastics themselves can be toxic, generally are, but then they're a magnet and they pull other toxins towards them. And that becomes an even bigger health issue. It's everywhere. And it's like when you learn that you shouldn't keep plastic, it's not just the microwave, it's the water bottle in the car, it's any plastics in your dryer. It's just, it's just everywhere. And once you realize what is plastic, right? Like all the clothing we're wearing, even if it's cotton, has some layer of plastic because it's always stitched with polyester or nylon thread. It has some element of plastic and it's just everywhere. And the microfibers from clothing, especially workout clothing and cheap clothing, end up in our waterways at alarming rates. That's the biggest source of plastic in the ocean is the microplastics coming from wastewater and laundry. So there is so much that needs to be fixed. And from my perspective, we can't fix it all. We can't live perfectly. But the more positive changes we can make, the better our chances are from a just a health and lifestyle perspective. So I think it is really important. And I think a lot of people are starting to very slowly become aware of it. But change is really hard. And when people want to make change, they don't want to go to their refill store and fill up. They want to go onto their computer on Amazon, press a few buttons and have it magically appear at their door without much thought to the impact of getting there. Tell us a little bit about your store. And I imagine since the refill store, it must be a brick and mortar physical location, but also do you have an online presence and what sort of role does that kind of play in the community and what does a zero waste shop sort of require from the consumer? So let's see, we do have a brick and mortar. I started it about five and a half years ago. Knew I wanted a store, but at the time when I started, I was just at farmer's markets. I thought those are my people. And some yes, some not so much. So I started at farmer's markets and then I found the brick and mortar, you know, found the space and opened the store. And we opened right into COVID. Within two weeks, COVID was like, just shut everything down. So that was pretty significant in terms of timing. And I think that's true for a lot of zero waste stores. They had a little bit of a COVID moment. So the store has been open for three and a half years. I still do farmer's markets and we obviously have an online presence. We are one of the largest zero-waste stores with a brick and mortar. There are some places that are online only. I have no idea how big they are. But for us as a store, I know we're pretty big because for some of our vendors, we are their number one store, their number one seller. So that tells me that we're a pretty good size. I was always focused on full service. So when you go into a store and you see three deodorants over here and four things of laundry detergent over there and a couple of napkins over here and it's small, 
you don't feel inspired. But when you come in and the shelves are full and there's a lot of pretty things, it's much easier to convince people that you're a legitimate business and, and you're worth shopping. We wanted to have solutions in every category. It doesn't mean that everybody buys every category, not by a long shot. But you have a chance to come see stuff. We're almost like a learning educational facility because you can come in and just, if you're afraid of a safety razor, you come in and you can feel and touch five different varieties and learn how to work them. And if you have a problem, you can call up and say, this is what's not working for me and you get answers. And so the store is, is big and useful. We ship everywhere. We don't ship a ton, but online business helps us survive. Like we couldn't just survive by selling refills. So we we survived by selling refills, swap or those other products. So instead of taking single-use cutlery, you bring a set of reusable cutlery that sort of stays in your purse and is portable. That's a swap. Instead of using liquid shampoo, you buy a shampoo bar and it's the best shampoo and conditioner you've ever used and you're wowed by it and then you come in and try something else. And so we have all those sorts of things. We do have our refill customers and they're lovely, but not everybody wants to refill. It's a challenge. A lot of people want big change. We want big change too. We want governments and corporations to change. We want producers and responsibility to own the disposal of their products. If that happened, if we had all of the perfect stuff today, governments that cared, corporations that cared, you'd be doing some refilling anyway. You'd be coming to a store like ours to get your products. I always give a shampoo bottle example. The average person uses 12 bottles of hair care in a year. If the average person lives to 80, a half-life is 40. So depending when you make your change early or later in life, it's about a 40-year impact. 40 times well, bottles a year is 500 bottles. So one change to a shampoo bar saves 500 bottles from landfill. And once you do that, you're like, wow, I'm going to tell my mom, my daughter, my best friend. And now that impact doubles and multiplies. And then you say, well, this was easy enough. Why don't I refill my dish soap, my laundry detergent? Why don't I do something else? And before you know it, those same people, they want to call their congressman and senator and say, please support the bill to eliminate plastic pollution. They want to push their legislators to be part of a global plastics treaty. And they want their state to have no plastic bags at the grocery. And they start to be advocates. That's how change happens. They start learning to flex their citizen muscles. Yes. That's what our friend Smutri from the, the Story of Stuff said the other day. Yes. And the Story of Stuff is fantastic. And, you know, once you realize that how did we get ourselves into this situation? It's because the government wanted to create jobs. It's really, really sad. Yeah. And there's some other disturbing statistics that are discouraging, such as in response to the growing use of electronic cars and electronic bikes and so forth, the plastics industry is turning to other products that maybe used to be paper or used to be in recyclable containers. Now they're making them into plastic because they're filling a growing gap in their market. So, you know, we've been noticing, for instance, one example is, you know, pet food bags. Some kinds of pet food you used to be able to buy in a paper bag and it's plastic or, you know, it's lined with plastic. There's several examples of this kind of thing. So it's an uphill battle. Let me tell you about what it's like to drift to sleep on a 100% natural wool pillow sourced from regenerative farms wrapped in a lovingly handmade organic cotton pillowcase. 
Oh, wait, I can't. I think it's just something you're going to have to try for yourself. Holy Lamb Organics is proud to carry on a centuries-old tradition of making beautiful textile products by hand. Combining heritage methods with pristine natural and organic materials and sustainable business practices, they bring a dedication to healthy living and the environment. Everything Holy Lamb does reflects their devotion to the planet and its inhabitants. From their supply chain to their manufacturing processes to their facilities management, nothing happens without considering the environmental impact. Most importantly, they're also dedicated to fair labor practices, secure working conditions, diversity, and inclusion. From the farm to the mill to their partner manufacturers, everyone shares the same high ideals of a safe, respectful workplace and environmentally conscious methods. Making good products enables them to do good work. Every time we order something from Holy Lamb Organics, we're proud to support a small town made in America company. You can find Holy Lamb Organics in the Lady Farmer Marketplace. For additional marketplace discounts, you can join the Almanac, our member-supported community platform. Find Holy Lamb Organics products including pillows, sheets, natural wool comforters, and more in the bedding section of the Lady Farmer Marketplace at www.ladyfarmer.com. I want to talk to you about the term zero waste. It feels intimidating to a lot of people. It feels impossible, especially in light of things we've just been talking about. You know, you go into the grocery store and it's hard to find a single item that doesn't involve plastic in some way. And then on the other hand, zero waste can seem like a goal that sort of forces you to buy certain products, specialized products. So I'd love to hear you talk about just the term zero waste and about normalizing that so that people don't feel overwhelmed by it and just don't pay any attention altogether. They just say, I can't worry about that. I'm too busy. My life is complicated. Yeah. So I'm just going to make a, a quick comment before I talk specifically about zero waste, which is I saw Jane Goodall talk about being a naturist. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm a naturist. I'm for nature. I only want to wear natural fibers. I only want to eat organic. I don't want chemicals. I want natural solutions. I love nature. I'm a naturist. And now we're starting to see a number of people who simply say, look, nature isn't a hobby of mine. I am nature. I'm from nature. I survive based on nature. I will go back to nature. And if I don't embrace nature, there is no me. There is no us. There is no home. So zero waste for many people means no plastic and no packaging. And the plastic free means not having plastic in your products, including things like synthetic fabrics and fibers. Now, zero waste is a journey. There is no perfection. And for me, I'm guided by nature. If it comes from nature and can go back to nature and doesn't harm nature, that feels like it's pretty zero waste. I don't think there's ever such a thing as perfection because I am predominantly vegan. And if you want to eat any kind of food that you don't cook yourself without going to a restaurant and sitting down for a long dinner, if you want to eat any food you don't cook, the packaging is impossible. And then there's the living in a modern world. You and I are speaking because we both have computers open. We have our cell phones. We appreciate modern medical surgery and the sterilization of materials. We live in a world that has some level of plastic. It's about managing that responsibly. And so for me, you will never see me take a piece of plastic cutlery because there's no reason for it. I will always have a fork with me. It is just an unnecessary single-use plastic. So if you start by reducing the single-use plastics, there's two ways to start. 
in my best recommendation, which is you open up your waste and your recycling bin and you find the biggest problem. And if it's soda or seltzer water, try to find an alternative for that. If it's plastic cutlery or milk cartons, find something that that has a big impact that you can change. Or you can also find something that's easy to change and do that. Or third alternative, and this is kind of where I started, which was health impact. So once I knew that those plastic containers weren't good for my food, I wanted to get rid of them all. And I thought that I would do it over like a couple of months. And I opened that drawer up one day and I sat on my kitchen floor and I cleaned out the plastic and I put in all the jars, reused jars I could find and my mason jars and some other Pyrex stuff. And I was like, wow, I don't think I need this plastic anymore. And I got rid of it. And I felt so liberated. So I think you just need to find a place to start that works for you. And it could either be biggest impact in terms of materials. It could be the biggest impact for your health or it could just be what's easiest. So make a change, start with that change, feel really good about it, work it into your routine and then add another thing. And when you realize that Everything that isn't from nature, all that plastic and all that waste is just choking our planet that we all share one planet Earth. You just start to want to make changes. So I think it becomes easy once you kind of buy into the concept. But I think it's it's worth starting small. And there's things that you can't give up. Just depends on who you are and what your what your things are. I'm a potato chip addict. I need some (laughs) potato chips in my life. And I can buy them locally. If I can make a trip to my pizza place, they will make fresh chips, but they really only last about a day or two. And I don't have a lot of time for that. So I give myself a break and I buy some potato chips. I buy a weekly bag of potato chips. All right, baby (laughs) kid. And you can't beat yourself up over that and you can't worry about perfection. So I find for me when I'm traveling, I plan pretty accordingly and I do a really good job, but you're always going to be somewhere that, you know, that you get some plastic that you wish you didn't. And you're just like, okay, it's going to be okay. Cause I've reduced so much that it's going to have a tiny impact on my health and it's going to have a small impact on the planet for me to take this one plastic container this one time. Yeah. And I had a recent experience on an overseas flight of just waking up to the sheer volume of plastic that was involved in that one flight, one way. It was kind of terrifying. But to your point where you're saying, once you buy into the concept, it becomes easier. I agree that you might be starting out with a sense of responsibility or, you know, since this is my duty as a citizen. But when you do ease yourself into it and you start learning, as you say, and you really get it, it becomes really kind of internalized. And really driven by something deeper, almost to the point where, you know, it actually hurts. And I say this, it just really hurts my feelings when I see a ton of waste like that. It just, it it feels bad. And I kind of need to learn to cope with that better, actually. (laughs) But I think it's people like us that care enough. And we've tried really hard to grow our Instagram and TikTok accounts. I have about 50,000 followers between the two right now. And I am ultra focused on growth. I spend a lot of time on social media because I know that that's the way to teach and educate and get more people on board. And every time you get one person to make one change, they invariably lead to another change, either for themselves or somebody they know. So the more people that come along on the ride and realize the importance of it for whatever reason 
that they've come there, the better it is. I get really scared for new moms in particular, because I remember being a new mom. You don't have a lot of time to research life. You're just trying to figure out your baby, manage your household, maybe get back to work like outside the home and you're pretty overwhelmed and and you manage nicely and it's such a wonderful time that you're happy but you don't have time to learn about the dangers of plastic and what's in our products it's just so scary so i worry the most about new moms the sooner we can get to people young people all ages and the more that we can teach the better i find that it's one person in the generational chain so i'm almost 60 so it could be my mom is the grandmother, me as the mom, my children, ultimately their children, that starts this I care more approach and starts to teach the others in the family. And that I see a lot of people my age come in and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, my daughter, my son really believes in this stuff. And they do all these things and they're trying to get me to change. And, you know, that's a good thing. It's how change happens. Wow. We hear you. Education is really, really needed out there on a large scale. And for people to really be educated, you have to get their attention. And we have found that something that commonly gets people's attention, illness is one thing, but it's very, very hard to get people out of their daily patterns and their routines and what they normally use. And it really does take something kind of startling. I just read a book called Year of No Garbage by Eve Schaub. One of her suggestions or campaigns or, you know, pushes is to encourage supermarkets to create one no plastic aisle. I thought that was a creative thought. But, you know, as more and more people become aware of these things, because you're talking about it, and we're talking about it, and other people are talking about it, and a growing number of people are, they might be curious. What do you think about that? One plastic-free aisle in a supermarket just for education purposes as much as anything else. So for me, I think the answer is shop the perimeter. So go down the produce aisle and buy real organic whole produce without packaging. It's not that hard to do. If you eat fish, meat, lunch meat, things like that, bring a container and have them put your product directly in your container. Again, not that hard. Same when you go to the bread aisle, bring a bag, have them hand you the loaf, you pop it in your bag, no packaging. So there are plenty of ways to do that at existing groceries. Not all of them. I know in some areas of the country in particular, it can be very hard. Then when you're in the regular aisle and you're looking at ketchup, if you can find the one in the glass bottle, take it. If you can find pasta in a box versus a plastic bag, take it. So I think it's more about an educated consumer. And the biggest thing I worry about, if we leave it up to Tide, to go package free and sell it at the grocery, we're all in trouble. Tide has 75 ingredients listed on its website for laundry detergent. And there are some pretty nasty chemicals in there that I would not want anywhere near my skin. So if we leave it up to people that aren't on a mission for this, you're gonna get mediocre products that are marketed. For example, a great example brings me to laundry strips and pods, dishwasher pods, laundry pods, right? They are marketed as plastic packaging free, so no plastic packaging, great, but the products themselves contain polyvinyl alcohol. So yeah, I am on the extreme. I am along with Meliora and Blue Land. I've been standing on my soapbox about polyvinyl alcohol for two years, two full years, because it is by its chemical definition plastic. There is no municipal water filtration process that can universally filter it out across the US. 
And more importantly, once it gets in the oceans and rivers, they can't filter it out. And we are ingesting up to five grams of plastic a week. So these products are absolute greenwashing. In my opinion, it's the biggest greenwashing this decade because everybody's buying them and they are terrible. They're just terrible for the environment. And I am staunchly against them. The big plastics groups are starting to ask the EPA to evaluate them. And I don't think it's going to be good. They have found microplastics in the absolute depths of the Pacific Ocean from polyvinyl alcohol in the amphipods that are down there. It is going to become so prevalent. So we need stronger legislation around chemicals. We need stronger legislation around this stuff. And then, yes, absolutely, if we can get good products that are package-free, that'd be great. I'm still concerned that Tide, if they went package-free, would A, come up with a strip, and B, would still have a lot of really nasty ingredients that go into our waterway. And that ends up in the water that you and I both drink. Just like they can't get out the pharmaceuticals, they can't get out the cleaning chemicals. It's a problem. So can I give you a quote? Yes. Vandana Shiva has a quote, soil, not oil, holds the future for humanity. And plastic is oil. Most of the chemicals are petrochemicals. Not all, but many of them. Soil is our future. You know, they've been taking sludge from water treatment facilities and using it as fertilizer. It's contaminating the soil. There are so many issues, but treating our natural environment, soil, water, and air, like our life depends on it. That's what we need to be doing. And all these new technologies, they're great ideas, but know what you're looking at. And I promise you that every pod and laundry strip that feels like there's a little plastic or a little vinyl in it has polyvinyl alcohol. And if you think you have a brand without it, you can send it to me. I'll come right back to you. I will promise you it has polyvinyl alcohol in it. And everybody's touting this like the next best thing. Unless you do a ton of research every day, you can't stay on top of this stuff. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Don't trust a single big corporation. Generally, when you verify, you're going to be disappointed. Big oil controls so much. For example, there are 17 states in the U.S. that have preemptive legislation that doesn't permit a bag ban. No plastic bag bans allowed in 17 states. That's crazy. Don't trust big corporations. No matter what they say, there's so much greenwashing. You've got to do your research. And trust your own intuition. Specifically, buy things that are from nature and can go back to nature. So stick with cotton, wood, wool, natural fibers. Another way of saying that that helps people frame it, I think, in a way, is what can the earth do? digest. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something scary. Biodegradable doesn't mean anything. It's not a certified term. Compostable means something. Carrots biodegrade into compost, but plastics biodegrade into smaller microplastics and they still pollute. And plastics can only be like people depend so much on plastic recycling, but every time it's recycled into something else, those that actually are turned into something else, which is an extremely small percentage, it's weakened every time. And it eventually just disintegrates into microplastics. So any kind of plastic ends up that way, and, any kind. And to be clear, it's mostly, not all, but mostly downcycling. So when we take all those plastic bags to our grocery for recycling, they get made usually into Trex decking. Recycling would be taking plastic bags and making them into plastic bags, taking a water bottle, making it into a water bottle. But that doesn't happen. It gets made into something lesser. We don't need plastic tracks decking. 
we're just finding a use for these ridiculous plastic bags, right? Stop bringing produce bags to the grocery, only drink out of stainless steel or glass and tell a friend, and I'll give you one extra tip, don't ever touch heat generated register receipts. They're full of the phenols, 250 times more than a can of peas. Okay, Jeanette, I have a question for you. Where do you see hope in all of this? I have children. I have two daughters and a stepdaughter. My husband has two kids. That's five kids we've brought into this world collectively. So I see hope in the fact that humanity cares. We can do better. If we can teach people, you know, hopefully we can make changes. I know it's not easy. I'm a climate reality leader. There's a lot going to happen that's bad before it gets better. But hopefully, just like we eradicated lead in gasoline and we fixed the hole in the ozone because of the aerosol cans, we have the ability to fix this. There are proven examples of how we've made things better. This one is particularly large. And the problem is big oil is huge in lobbying, huge. And we have to become more educated. And I think everything's interconnected. When we see attacks on reproductive health and rights, when we see attacks on LGBTQ, all these groups, wars, all these people start to realize we can do better and they start to pick better elected officials and change starts to happen. But it takes everybody working towards something better. And it, it takes just a lot of talking about it. Mostly from women. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we talk about all of these issues a lot on here. And sometimes I think, wow, you know, we just keep saying the same thing over and over again. And then I realize how many people out there still have not heard these things. So those of you that listen to us regularly, thank you for listening. We're going to keep talking <laughs> about it. <laughs> so I don't know if you think about this much, but you know, when you introduced vegetables to your children when they were little, or as a child, when you tried broccoli for the first time and you might not have liked it and you realized 10 times before you can really evaluate that you do or don't like something, I think it's the same way. You have to hear it 10 times before you start to like incorporate it. So I just want to be not one of those 10 times. I want to be like two, three, five of those 10 times. And I want you to hear it from your neighbor, your mom, your daughter, a documentary, the New York Times. The more you hear it from different places, it will eventually resonate. And I tell people too, you know, at the risk of being annoying when I'm, you know, out and about, I talk about it. I just talk about it wherever I am. I recently was in France. I said, you know, I had the international flight and all the garbage and I haven't been there in a few years. And I think that they've really gone kind of backwards in terms of waste since COVID. I think a, a lot of places that happened. And I think I actually saw fewer alternatives to single use plastic than I had last time I was there, which was before COVID. So anyway, I was in a store made a couple of purchases. I was offered a bag and I said, no, thank you. I try not to use plastic. And the person, she kind of lit up and she says, Je <laughs> I understand. She ran back behind the thing and came out and she actually gave me a reusable shopping bag that they normally charge money for, I think. Anyway, it was a very nice reusable bag. So thank you very much. So just that one little thing, it resonated with her that I cared about this. And, you know, her response was like, I care about it too. And I hear you and I'm going to help you. I just thought that was really cool. It was the, the tiniest little interaction. I do that a lot of places. I'll just say without trying to be like preachy or annoying, you know, I just 
I just try to bring it up a little bit. I do the same. When I see register clerks handling the receipts with their bare hands, there's a couple places, Trader Joe's and Whole Foods, that don't have phenols in their receipts, but most other places do. And you have no way of knowing. So I'll say to the clerk, I don't want a receipt, thank you. But by the way, it's coated in bisphenol A. It's really bad for your health. You might want to consider wearing a silicone finger and not touching them so much. And sometimes they look at me like I am the wicked witch. Other times I get a thank you. I had no idea. And when I see people wearing gloves at the register, I'll be like, that's so smart of you to wear those gloves. And I'll say why. And they usually smile and they they say something nice. So I agree with you. I found that when I travel, I have some gastrointestinal issues. So when I travel, I have some food limitations. I bring big water bottle. I fill it up when I get through security at the airport. I bring enough for the flight and I bring some of my own food and then I'm not stuck eating that nasty airport food. International flights are hard because they're longer depending where you're going, but I try to bring as much as I can myself to avoid the plastic and just the quality of the food. Yeah, there definitely are some travel tips harder than ever to be waste-free while traveling. So try not to be too hard on yourself. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so here's a question we ask all of our guests. What does slow living mean to you? So I probably live a little fast, but for me, I focus a little more on clean living. And I think that is very synonymous for many with slow living. So I still can applesauce and tomato sauce pretty much every year. I make some of my own jams. That's slow living. I think being mindful of what you take and what you need and just living with less. I try every day to live with less. I rarely buy things that are new and I'm very particular about food. I like to garden, forage, farmer's market. I can't remember the last time I ever stepped into a mall in a long time or a department store. I think that's all slow living, just kind of getting back to a a natural way of life where nature matters, natural things matter. I I do almost all my cooking from scratch. I buy very little prepared food. Yeah, I agree with you. I think clean living overlaps very much with slow living because of everything you just said. I think what I see in most people that I come across, and I do not come across the masses, but people would rather have a good experience a special dinner, a walk on the beach, a hike in the woods, a camping trip, then a bunch of consumerism. Most people I know don't want stuff. It's funny, I, I kind of stopped giving gifts. That includes to friends and family for birthdays and everything else. Even my kids don't expect much for Christmas anymore. I usually make them something. I get them something on their list, but we just don't do a lot of stuff. We don't do a lot of stuff. My mother had a birthday, 86, and she got flowers picked in my garden. My husband knows never buy any flowers. He only picks them either, you know, his yard or mine or somewhere. And if there aren't any flowers to be picked, that's okay. I do not complain. So my mother got some flowers and I I re-gifted her an orchid that was given to me. She's really good with orchids and I'm not. And one of my friends makes an essential oil perfume that she adores. We refill it in aluminum containers and she got that too. That was it. That's so lovely. What does the good dirt mean to you? It's probably got a lot of meanings. But I think that, again, sort of clean dirt and earth and soil matters. We want to put nutrients into the soil and we want to be able to grow things that are organic and healthy and safe. And whether that's in land and farming or whether we're spreading good rumors and dirt, right, like good information, I think that we want to be mindful of making the place better. So some time ago, I did a six word story and it was make things better. It was really, really, really short. Make the world better. 
And I think that's the good dirt is. Dirt is good. Soil is good. We need to nourish ourselves, our minds, our bodies, and our food. That's wonderful. And the gentleman we just interviewed earlier today, his advice was that everyone try to build soil somehow, even if it's just a little pot on your apartment ledge, if that's all you have, but somehow invest in creating a little bit of good dirt. I thought that was just fantastic. What if everybody did that? I love that. And, you know, we only have so much topsoil on the planet, right? And it's not easy to create. It takes millions of years. Compost is the number one thing you can do to reduce your waste. To reduce waste, compost is number one. And there's so many different ways to do it. This week, I got some basil from the farmer's market and I made pesto and I took the stems and I put them in a pot and we're going to see if they grow again because sometimes things do. And I try not to create compost as my first thing. So I made French onion soup yesterday with onions that I had and I use the onion tops as well. It's green and brown together. And then what's left over can go to compost, but use as much as you can first and make sure that what you're putting out there is nourishing. So you won't find me using compostable bags in my compost because it's still a bioplastic. It, it is not nourishing the soil. Yes. And something we repeat often on here is you'll often see takeout supplies or things in restaurants that say compostable, but everybody needs to understand that those take a very, very specific facility. And unless you know for a fact that what you're using is going to this facility is going to be in a landfill. And that probably happens a very small percentage of the time because people just don't know really how to do it. If you put something in a pot of water for a few days and it doesn't start to break down, that's a pretty good sign that it's not compost well. Is there anything else that you would like to leave with the listeners or what do you want people to most understand about the work that you're doing? My hope is that we will have inspired everyone to make one change. If you are just starting your journey, we love that. If you are well into your journey, we love that too. But find one more change. If you are still drinking water out of plastic bottles of any sort, reusable or single use, try to switch to metal or glass. Just make a change. Find something that resonates with you. Make a change and commit to making another change after that. The world, our home, the planet needs it. Thank you so much. I, I have really learned a lot today. And I just love speaking to someone who's so passionate about this and also willing to speak the truth at the risk of startling people. I think startling people gets their attention and we're not here to make everybody feel better. We want people to know that change needs to happen and that we have the power to do that. We do. So thank you for your time today. Thank you both. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. for tuning in, calling in, and spreading the good dirt. We love hearing from you. You can reach our listener voicemail at 443-459-1950. That's 443-459-1950. You can find this number in our show notes and in our Instagram profile. This show is produced by Lady Farmer, a slow living lifestyle community. And the original music is composed and performed by John Kingsley. For more from Lady Farmer, follow us on Instagram at WeAreLadyFarmer. That's WeAreLadyFarmer. Or join us online at www.ladyfarmer.com. We'll see you next time on The Good Dirt. Goodbye.